You're listening to KCOU Columbia, 88.1. The Army National Guard plays a vital role in your community. We're on the front lines supporting essential personnel, first responders, law enforcement, and medical professionals, delivering food, supplies, and medicine, keeping communities safe, making a difference. During emergencies, we're always ready, always there. Learn more about part-time service in the Army National Guard at nationalguard.com. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association at this station. Hello and good morning. Welcome to the Gold Standard on KCOU 88.1 FM. My name is Kara Brown. I am the host of this show. And last week I had mentioned that this week I wanted to do a special show dedicated to a Terry Tubritze and talking about the girls that she has trained and her training practices. And that is still going to be the main focus of this show. I'd written up a whole big outline for that. And so I do want to continue with that and do that in this show. But first, I have to get into some news coming out of the ISU. They released a statement about seven hours ago following the Russian invasion of Ukraine. The ISU has released a statement that effective immediately and until further notice, skaters from both Russia and Belarus will not be invited to or allowed to participate in international skating competitions. These include the upcoming world championships and different skating events. I, of course, usually focus on figure skating because that is the ISU sport that I follow the most closely. So I would like to remind you that Russia, or in the case of the Beijing Olympics, the Russian Olympic Committee had five medalists across the four figure skating disciplines who now under these guidelines will not be able to compete in the World Figure Skating Championships that are happening this month. Barring some kind of change, the ISU says that they will reevaluate these guidelines as things continue to unfold. But the statement from the ISU reads, quote, the ISU Council reiterates its solidarity with all those affected by the conflict in Ukraine and our thoughts are with the entire Ukrainian people and country. The ISU Council reaffirms its full solidarity uh, with the ISU members in Ukraine, the Ukrainian Speed Skating Federation, and the Ukrainian Figure Skating Federation. The ISU Council will evaluate possibilities for swift humanitarian assistance to its Ukrainian ISU members. The ISU also released another statement not too long before this statement, um, saying that it did not think it would have to change any locations of its events because there are not any events scheduled for the rest of the season in either Russia or Belarus. However, Um, That is just on the side of the conflict happening in Ukraine. There are some issues with the events that are taking place in Canada and the COVID restrictions that Canada has in place, though the ISU did seem confident that they would be able to keep those events taking place in Canada. Um. So that is kind of the basis of that. Obviously, there's not a ton more to talk about on that. It's just we've seen so many kind of um, restrictions being placed by different sporting unions and leagues across the world in response to this. And that is the official ISU response right now. Um, Yeah, it's difficult I mean it it's just it's difficult because it is hard on the athletes that 
you know, we don't know because they're not going to really speak out on this from Russia um, if they support it or not. But it does affect them and it affects the competition as a whole. But yes, that is the ISU statement as of now. And we'll just have to follow the events and see if anything changes. If not, that is going to definitely shake things up at the World Figure Skating Championships. But I don't want to get too far into that right now because I would like to get into talking about a Terry Tuberidze. Um, so to start off, let's talk about an American figure skater, Alyssa Liu. So Alyssa Liu took the ice at the 2019 U.S. National Championships as a relative no-name. No one was expecting her to come into the competition and upset reigning national champion Brady Tanau. The reason no one knew Alyssa Liu's name is because she was 13 years old at the time. It was her first senior national championship, and she was not old enough to compete on the senior level internationally. However, in 2019, Liu won her first national title and became the youngest ever to do so. Liu's score eclipsed Tanel's thanks to her triple axles. Lou became the third woman ever to land a triple axel at nationals when she landed one in her short program. She became the first woman to land two triple axels in a performance during her free skate at that competition. Two years later, at the 2021 U.S. Championships, Lou entered the competition as the two-time reigning champion. However, she was struggling. She was two years older and had grown three inches in the past season. She had also been nurturing a hip injury she sustained earlier in the season. Due to the growth spurt and injuries, Lou had to severely water down her routine. At 2020 Nationals, Lou performed multiple triple axles and the most difficult quad jump, a quad lutz, though the lutz was under-rotated. She didn't perform a triple axel or quad in her 2021 free program, and she was left off the podium. Within about two years, Alyssa Liu had gone from the United States' hope for the future, America's answer to the Russian and Japanese lady that could land triple axles and quads, to not being able to place top three in her own nation. And all of this was before she was even competing internationally at the senior level. Liu would change coaches and continue to try to get back to her old form. However, even now, she isn't able to perform the jumps that thrust her into the figure skating spotlight. She attempted a triple axel in her free program at the Olympics, but it received a downgrade from being under-rotated. Lou is one example of how growth and getting older can cause women to not be able to skate ultra-C elements. Now, for those of you who don't know what an ultra-C element is, it is the more difficult jumps, so basically a triple axel or higher, meaning any of the quad jumps. Many girls who skate ultra-C elements get injuries from the wear the jumps have on their bodies, and as the girls hit puberty and their bodies change, it becomes more difficult for them to perform the jumps. The triple axel has become a lot more common to see in ladies' competitions in the past Olympic cycle, but it is still uncommon internationally to see women women performing quads. The exception is the Russian girls. Most Russian girls are competing with quads and they practically have to to be at all competitive in Russia and earn a spot on the international circuit. This is, I mean, I believe I talked about the Russian national championships this past year a little bit on the show. And if I didn't, I know I wrote an article about it, but the girls competing in the Russian national championships have said that that is the hardest competition for them. Like making it to the European championships and to the Olympics from the Russian national championships was the toughest part because once they leave Russia, they easily are performing the hardest jumps, the hardest programs. But when they're in Russia, the younger girls are always skating more than what they're doing. They're able to do more quads. They're able to skate longer. 
their bodies haven't taken as much as the older girls. And the older girls in this situation are 17 years old. Like, that is how intense the competition in Russia is. So, yes, I have followed figure skating closely since the 2018 Pyeongchang Olympics. And since then, I have seen skaters on the women's side rise and fall. The changing of the guard seems to happen every year, unlike in other disciplines where you can see competitors that did well in Pyeongchang come back in Beijing and they were still just as competitive. This can be seen definitely on the men's side where the big storyline going into the competition in Pyeongchang was Nathan Chen and Yuzuru Hanyu, who's going to you know, come out victorious. They were the two best skaters. And then coming into Beijing, the storyline was Yuzuru Hanyu and Nathan Chen, who's going to come out on top. It was the exact same thing four years later. And Yuzuru Hanyu was attempting to be a three-time consecutive Olympic gold medalist. The same cannot be said for the women's side of competition. There were not a ton of ladies who competed in the Pyeongchang Olympics that were competing in the Beijing Olympics. Um, One of them that was was Karen Chen from the United States, but she wasn't super competitive in either of the events in Pyeongchang or Beijing. The highest ranking woman from the United States in Beijing was Alyssa Liu, who, like I just mentioned, she was not on the circuit at the time. She just this season was able to skate at the senior level internationally. But I've already talked pretty extensively on the show about the situation surrounding Camilla Velieva at the Winter Olympics. This week, however, I want to take a deeper look into her coach, Terry Tuberitze. I want to share her training techniques and the rise and fall of the skaters she has coached. So to do this, I would like to start off by talking about the different stars that Tuberitze has coached and how they burned out. So the first girl that kind of thrust Tuberitze into the spotlight as a coach was Yulia Lipnitskaya. So Lipnitskaya became popular during the 2014 Sochi Olympics. She helped the Russian team win the gold medal And at the time, she was 15 years old, which made her the youngest Russian gold medalist ever. She finished fifth overall in the individual event. But during that 2014 season, Lipnitskaya won both a gold at the European Championships and a gold at the World Championships. And though times were different, yes, in 2014... Times were very different in women's figure skating. Lipnitskaya was using techniques that other skaters under Tuberidze would go on to use. She was performing the most difficult jumps and combinations, and she was backloading her program as much as she could. She would open both her short and free skates at the 2014 Olympics with a triple Lutz triple toe combination and she used the bonus after the halfway mark to rack up extra points from difficult jumps later on. If you recall from me talking about figure skating at all in this show, there is a bonus for elements skated after the halfway mark in a program. And so one thing Tuberitze has done with her skaters' programs is put a lot of their jumps towards the end of the program so that they can get as much from that bonus as they possibly could to kind of use the system in their advantage. And let me once again tell you how the times have changed in less than a decade. When Lipnitskaya won her gold medal with Team Russia in Sochi, she also became the youngest figure skater in 78 years to win an Olympic gold. Also, Russia had never had an Olympic champion in the ladies' event. Part of this was due to the fact that in the Soviet system, 
most of the promising female skaters were pushed towards pairs or ice dance. However, now it's crazy to think about that just three Olympics ago, Russia had never earned a gold medal in the women's event. And now they have each time since. So, I mean, crazy. Because now they just win everything in the ladies' side. However, like for so many of the girls that Tubridze has coached, it was a quick fall from grace afterwards. At the Russian Championship in 2015, Lipnitskaya took ninth place and was in seventh place the following year. She didn't make another European or world champion team after the 2014 season. She changed coaches in the middle of the 2015-2016 season, leaving Tubridze and switching to Alexei Ermanov. The 2016-17 season was riddled with injuries for Lipnitskaya. She re-aggravated an injury that took her out of Skate America, and later in the season, she skated despite a leg injury and then injured her back and her hip. She was, However, at this time, she wasn't with Tuberidze. She was skating under Ermanov. Lipnitskaya retired in 2017 at the age of 19. She was battling injuries and an eating disorder, and she has openly talked about her eating disorder. She checked into a clinic to help her battle the eating disorder, and when she returned, she decided to quit skating. She also said that less than a year after the Olympics ended, she was under constant stress because she, the stress was to perform well. She had the eyes of the world on her, and even though she didn't win the gold medal in Sochi, another Russian skater did, she still made her mark during that team event when she won the gold there because she was so young. It seemed like she had this whole big career ahead of her, but stress, mental health problems, and physical health problems took her from the sport very early. And as we go on, you'll see that this is a pattern for skaters especially under Tuberidze but that is exactly why we're here to talk about it today so that's I mean it's short but that's the end of Lipnitskaya is she came onto the scene at 15 and was done by the age of 19 I'm going to kick it to a quick break and when I come back we will get into Evgenia Medvedeva and Alina Zagitova who were the big names going into the 2018 Pyeongchang Olympics. Stay right here. Just get in and talk about it. I've got to go home. Oh, come on, Carrie. Don't We're going to a new place. She wants me to go home, right? <laughs> Let's go. You okay to drive? Yeah, I'm fine. You sure? Relax. What's a few beers? If you don't stop your friend from drinking and driving... Drinking and driving can kill. This is an important message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. After a storm, dirty water can make you and your family sick. Remember to wash your hands with soap and clean water. Wash your hands often, especially before preparing food, before eating, after using the toilet, and after cleaning. Washing your hands is the best way to prevent sickness. To learn more, Call the CDC at 1-800-CDC-INFO. Lovely cushion header. Bajero! Oh, you beauty! What a headshot! What a head! Stay in touch with all the latest soccer news and highlights from the game's premier competitions. Join me, Jack Knowlton, for Box to Box, where I'll break down everything from scores to transfers to player and club profiles and much, much more. Everything you need to know about the beautiful game can be found on Box to Box. Wednesdays at 11 a.m. on KCOU. That's astonishing! It's absolutely world-class! When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me. <laughs> 
Hello, and welcome back to The Gold Standard on KCOU 88.1 FM. My name is Kara Brown. I'm the host of the show, and today I am profiling the careers and training styles of the girls who train under Ateri Tuparitze and who have trained under her over the years. Next up are Evgenia Medvedeva and Alina Zagitova. Evgenia Medvedeva started skating under Ateri Tuburitse around 2007. She saw a lot of success on the junior circuit, including a bronze and gold medal at the World Junior Championships. She burst onto the senior scene in the 2015-2016 season. That season, she won the Grand Prix Final, European Championships, and the World Championships. She seemed unstoppable the next season as well, defending her title in all of those events. But her training mate was waiting in the wings to come best her. Alina Zagitova started training with Tuburitze in 2015. The same season Medvedeva was beating everyone on the senior circuit, Zagitova was making her mark on the junior level. She earned the gold medal at the World Junior Championships, and she also took second at the Senior National Championships right behind Medvedeva. The 2017-2018 season was the first both girls skated at the senior level internationally. Medvedeva was trying to defend all of her titles that she had won for the past two seasons, but she was also focused on something bigger, the 2018 Winter Olympics. Things would get more difficult for Medvedeva, though, when an MRI revealed bone cracks in her right foot. Medvedeva had felt pain in her right leg during the Grand Prix series, but she had skated through it. However, she was forced to miss the Grand Prix finals and Russian nationals due to the injury. At the same time, Zagitova was the newbie to senior competitions, but she seemed unfazed. She first went out and won the Grand Prix final. Then she won the Russian National Championships. However, she had yet to skate against Medvedeva. The first chance came at the European Championships, where Zagitova came out on top. She beat Medvedeva by almost six points. The next event for the two girls was the Pyeongchang Olympics. They were headlining not only the figure skating competition, but their built-in rivalry was one of the main storylines of the Olympics as a whole. The two training mates, both both winning every competition that they skate, but only one can get the gold. Would it be the more experienced Medvedeva, or would she be bested by the 15-year-old star? The competition was incredibly close, and it ended up being decided by a little over a point. And the girls split in the programs, with Zagitova winning the short program and Medvedeva winning the free skate. And I have talked before about... Zagitova at the 2018 Olympics because the way she did her program was, I mean, it was obviously designed to win, but she did something that ended up changing figure skating. So I talked about how Ateri Tuburitse has her skaters backload their programs to get bonuses on their jumps. Medvedeva had a mostly backloaded program. Most of her jumps were skated in the second half of her program. However, Zagitova had a completely backloaded free skate with all of her jumps coming in that second half, all of her jumps receiving the bonus. This is what ended up helping Zagitova win the Olympics, is all of those bonuses that she was able to pick up on every single one of her jumps that she did And after this Olympics, the ISU changed the rules about the bonuses in what is now called the Zagitova rule, where only the last three jumps skated after the halfway mark are qualified for the bonus. And this was done to try to even out the programs and not allow competitors to just put all of the jumps at the end. Which I feel like, yes, it, I understand to an extent why the ISU did this with the rule. But at the same time, it was just a smart play. 
really, to try to backload these competitions. And it did give Zagitova a good, like, head start when it came to the scoring because she was able to get all of those bonuses. But that was just kind of how the system was. So they did, in fact, change the system. At the subsequent World Championships after the 2018 Olympics, Medvedeva did not compete, and Zagitova had a mistake-riddled free program. Zagitova ended up finishing fifth in that competition. The next season proved to be another success for Zagitova, while Medvedeva continued to battle injuries. Zagitova won the silver at the European Championships and the gold at Worlds. Medvedeva was able to pick up the bronze medal at Worlds despite her injuries. However, Zagitova and Medvedeva saw something different at the Russian National Championships this season. The younger Russian girls who were performing ultra-sea elements. So, while Zagitova and Medvedeva had very difficult programs that were backloaded, they were performing triple-triples, which were the most difficult combinations at the time, once they went to the Russian National Championships, they were no longer performing the hardest elements because the younger Russian girls were able to perform triple axles and quad jumps. The 2019 National Championship Russian podium consisted of Anna Sherbakova, Alexandra Trusova, and Elena Korstanaya, all of whom also trained under Tuberitze. Zagitova and Medvedeva haven't skated competitively since the 2018-2019 season. Though Zagitova hasn't officially announced her retirement from anything that I could find, Medvedeva did announce her retirement from the sport as of December 2021. But this means that Medvedeva hasn't skated since the age of 20, and Zagitova hasn't skated since the age of 17. Once again, very young to be retiring from a sport and figure skating is just naturally a pretty young sport most individual skaters retire before the age of 30 and if not they're not super competitive internationally because they aren't able to have those big elements that help bolster their scores but 20 and younger is insanely young to be retiring from the sport. And that is now, if you're keeping track, three Tuberitze stars in a row that retired at the age of 20 or younger and skated young at the Olympics. That was their bright shining moment. And then it kind of fell off afterwards. And now, for the sake of time, I was going to kind of skip over Elena Korstanaya, who I mentioned was on the Russian national podium in 2019, but she didn't make the Olympics because of injury. But it's really hard to leave her out because when she was skating, she was the most successful of the Tuberitze girls that all debuted on the senior circuit at the same time um so just quickly about her and then her name will be repeated more throughout when I talk about the other girls because she was the one beating them notably she left to in July of 2020 to train with coach Evgeny Plashenko however she asked to return to Tuberitze in March 2021 And then she made the Grand Prix final in 2021, but that, of course, got canceled. And then she got injured and had to sit out of Russian Nationals this season and obviously was not selected to the European Championship team or the Olympic team. So let's talk about the girls under Tuberitze who made the Olympics starting with Anna Sherbakova. Sherbakova began skating with Tuberitze in 2013. She got injured in the summer of 2017 
and missed most of the 2017-2018 season. She won the Russian National Championships in 2019 and began skating on the senior circuit internationally the year after. Her first free program on the senior international circuit was at the Lombardia Trophy, and it saw her become the first senior woman to land a quad Lutz in competition at the senior level, I'm pretty sure. At the next competition, Skate America, she became the first woman to land two quadruple Lutz jumps in a free skate in international competition, and the first woman to land a quadruple Lutz triple jump combination in international competition. She made the Grand Prix final and earned the silver medal. Sherbakova was only bested by her training mate, Elena Korstanaya. She then went on to win her second consecutive Russian National Championship, and she competed in the European Championships and took the silver medal. She was selected to the World Championship team, but they were canceled that season due to COVID-19. The next season, though, she was able to win both the national and world championships. And this season, she took third at nationals and second at the European championships. Before, of course, going on to win the gold medal at the Olympics. And then Alexandra Trusova started skating under Tuberitze in 2016. She absolutely tore up the junior circuit in 2017 in both the 2017-2018 and 2018-2019 seasons. She won the Junior National Championships and Junior World Championships both of those seasons. She made her way to the senior circuit the next season. She qualified for the Grand Prix Finals in 2019, and at that competition, she became the first female skater to attempt five quads in a free skate and the first to attempt four different types of quads. Trusova took the bronze medal in that event, and she was continuously coming in third behind Sherbakova and Korstanaya. Then, Trusova decided to leave Tuberitze in the spring of 2020 and went to train under Evgeny Plushenko. During the 2020-2021 season that she trained under Plushenko, Trusova once again found herself getting several bronze medals. She earned a bronze at both the 2021 Russian National Championships and the 2021 World Championships. She then returned to Tuberitze in May of 2021. In the Olympic season, Trusova won her first Grand Prix event, which I think was Skate America. But then she had to miss her second due to injury, which was the event that takes place in Japan. And that disqualified her from being able to make the final. She then took the silver medal at the Russian National Championships and the bronze medal at the European Championships. Then she competed in the Olympics where she earned the silver medal. Lastly, Camila Valieva. Valieva started skating under Tuberitze in 2018. And I cannot stress this enough. She doesn't lose or at least she didn't she had won going into the olympics the junior grand prix final the world junior championship in 2020 the 2021 finlandia trophy and all of her 2021 grand prix events where she made the grand prix final that got canceled she won the 2022 national championships and the 2022 European Championships. The only ISU event listed that she hadn't won was the 2021 Russian National Championships, where she placed second. And then, of course, she did not win the Olympics, where she ended up taking fourth place. But both her rise and fall were... Very quick. I mean, she started skating under Tuberitze not that long ago. She really had only skated internationally for two seasons. And, or maybe, yeah, no, two seasons. And she was killing it. But then her scandal, I mean, we've yet to see the full effects of it. 
And I think it'll take the whole next season, at least, to see the full effects of just the stress and backlash that came with the doping scandal that Valieva had. But it's really crazy how good she was. How good she is. But it's one of those things where it's hard to say with the doping scandal how much she earned all of those. And, I mean, if she was testing clean up till then, obviously she's a very talented skater either way. And the elements that she's jumping are incredibly, incredibly difficult. That's why not too many female skaters are skating them. But it's just a a really difficult way to cap off the Olympics. But I do think it brought to light the training practices of a Terry Tuberitze, which had always been harsh, but I'm interested to see what more the investigation into her brings out because Valieva's team is being investigated due to the doping scandal. All right. With that, I'm going to take another quick break. And when I come back, we're really going to dive into Tubritze's training methods and different things that she does that aren't the best or things that are speculated that aren't the best. So keep it here. How was your day? Fine. Did you learn anything new? No. Anything I should know? No. Is everything okay? Yeah. Sometimes it can be hard to connect with teens. Use Connect With Me activity cards to deepen your conversations. Visit health.mo.gov connect to access these free cards and other resources. A message from the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services. My part-time service in the Army National Guard makes it possible for me to be more for the community I call home. My training helps me at work when I lead by example. My service in the Army National Guard allows me to keep my community and those I care about safe from threats. Learn more about how you too can live and serve part-time close to home by visiting nationalguard.com. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association at this station. favorite bench player well yours can be too starting left bench is a sports variety talk show with your two new favorite bench warmers join justin bear and peyton heverman as they discuss almost anything and everything in the sports world and some things outside of it join us on the bench mondays at 3 p.m on kcou 88.1 fm to hear some goofiness and talk that you would hear from your favorite bench warmers Starting left bench for those not good enough to go pro. We're excited for you to join us on the bench, and we'll see you there. Welcome back to the Gold Standard on KCOU. Once again, I this week am talking about Ateri Tubritze, her training methods, and the girls that she has trained over the years. And for kind of this last part of the show, I'm going to go more into specifically her training methods and things that have been said or speculated about her training methods. So NBC Sports says that Tuberitze's approach to training focuses on athleticism and fearsome work ethic. That is putting it 
very lightly. Earlier, I mentioned the story about Alyssa Lou. I promise there was a point to it. Um, but it was about how her body changing and her getting older made it harder for her to perform the more difficult jumps. That is the reason Tuberitze likes to work with these younger girls. She is able to have them do these very difficult jumps because they're so young and so small that they're physically able to perform them where when they get older and their bodies change, they're just no longer able to put up physically with those jumps and the way Tuberitze trains. Um, but one thing Tuberitze skaters have openly talked about is not being able to drink water during competitions. Alina Zgitova said that she didn't drink water during the Winter Olympics, and part of this had to do with weigh-ins that Tuberitze required. The girl's weight was not supposed to change more than a couple hundred grams because Tuberitze thought it would affect their ability to jump. And for this reason, Zagitova would not drink water in order to stay thin. A Vox reporter says they spoke to a physicist who said there is a physical advantage to being smaller and thinner when it comes to executing jumps, but there's also a huge physical toll that jumps take on ankles, legs, and other parts of the body. And with that, I would like to add that one other thing about how she trains her skaters is that their technique on their jumps is pretty poor. Their jumps rely heavily on pre-rotation, which is really hard on the skater's back. But in order for the girls to be able to get the momentum and the rotations that they need to perform these ultra-seed jumps, they have to pre-rotate, which, I mean, like I said, it's just really hard on their bodies, and it's not a sustainable technique, especially if these girls want to skate when they're older. It's not sustainable for them to be doing this level of pre-rotation because I their backs get hurt. That's um, shown with Evgenia Medvedeva and her very consistent back injuries. But it is something that you can really see if you're looking for it, especially you can really see it in all of Tuberitze skaters. Um, and in addition, the lack of food and water the girls are intaking to maintain these frames could further lead to injury and fatigue. And this is just speculation. This is just me speculating. But this could be a reason Valieva was taking the drug that she was that started the whole doping scandal. I've had several people ask me what the benefit would be for her taking this drug for figure skating, how it would help her. And especially the free skate in figure skating is really taxing and if Valieva wasn't getting proper nutrients, she might have needed some other assistance to help her get through those programs. If she didn't have the energy that she needed, the drug that she was taking could have helped because it lowers heart rate, it ups endurance. It could have helped her get through those very strenuous programs. Another thing that Tuberitze does is she makes the girls skate when they are injured. She said that she thought, or as I mentioned, Elena Korstenaya did not compete in the Russian National Championships this season while she had an injury. And Tuberitze said that she thought Korstenaya could have skated during that event despite an injury. Her injury was a fractured hand. So I don't know how much 
that would have impacted her skating. The way I see that it could have been really bad is if she fell on a jump and was trying to either catch herself or assist herself in getting back up. Obviously, then having a fractured hand, you would not want either of those things. And in my opinion, I do think it's better to heal before you start skating again. But that is what Tuberitze said. And then Medvedeva was known to have skated through injuries. And Trusova won Skate America this past October despite being injured. But then she ended up pulling out of the Grand Prix event in Japan with that injury. It is also suspected that Sherbakova had to skate while recovering from COVID-19. Officially, she withdrew from a competition due to pneumonia, but some figure skating fans suspect that it was COVID. Officially, pneumonia is what it was ruled as. But at the Russian National Championships that same year, Sherbakova was struggling with endurance and she was giving smelling smelling salts by her team before her skate. And then, I mean, after her skate, she was just visibly very taxed um, because she was still recovering from whatever illness she had at the time. But as like the reason people think that it might've been COVID is because there were several other top Russian skaters at the time who it was confirmed had COVID-19. Here's the thing. Tuberitze is not very open to the media. She doesn't give many interviews, and it's hard to know kind of what's going on in her head. However, her training practices do seem very extreme, and she treats her athletes like they are machines. And it's just, from an outsider's perspective, seems very clear that she thinks her athletes are like machines because how hard she has them train where it's not sustainable. But she knows that she has other young Russians coming up who can be stars, who can win all the competitions by performing these incredibly difficult jumps. So she doesn't have to worry about the longevity of her skaters because it's all about the here and now just have them do what they can right now. They'll win the competitions. And then when they get beaten down, the next group of girls can come in and skate. There also are some, I don't know if it's like speculation. People who follow figure skating say that skaters under two breeds say kind of get let off by the judges if they have a landing on a jump that isn't so good or skating skills that maybe are subpar to some other skaters, they're given better scores anyways because they're trained by Tuberitze and she's their coach. So people who follow figure skating think that there is a judging advantage that also comes with being one of her skaters and that some of her skaters have won competitions and gotten scores that they didn't really deserve because they're kind of getting let off by the judges. Now, not all of this is just a Tuberitze thing. There are plenty of coaches that really push their athletes, and there are especially plenty of figure skaters who have body issues because of their coaches Eating disorders are a huge issue in figure skating, and I won't get into it too much during this show because there's so many examples, and that's not what the entire focus of this show was today, but several of the skaters I've detailed that trained under Tuberitze have confirmed they struggle with eating disorders, but it seems like in Tuberitze's camp, it is likely that she is more directly influencing the bad habits that the girls have when it comes to eating, whereas some other skaters might just hear comments from their coaches or their coaches make a couple of comments 
about their weight and it makes them want to lose weight or stay skinny and that's what leads to their eating disorders and neither is okay. I don't want to write one off as like, well, that's fine because it's not and it's a really big issue in figure skating but it's something that definitely is perpetuated just by the way the sport is and the fact that it is easier with a thinner frame. But once again, I'm not condoning any of these actions. I'm not saying any of it's okay because it's not. So that's all I had for today. Um, I mean, in conclusion, like I said, it's not just to breed say who really pushes our athletes or doesn't have the best coaching techniques, but she has a reputation of her skaters retiring very young. They're extremely prone to injury. And it does seem like a big part of that has to do with the way Tuberitze trains them and her outlook on coaching. It's very, very intense and it is not sustainable. And that's two things that I can say for sure. That's not just speculation. It's intense and not sustainable. But I hope you were able to somewhat follow that. I hope it gives you more of a look into a Terry Tuberidze, the woman who coached Camila Valieva. I hope it gives more context to the Valieva situation because I think that's something that was missing in a lot of the coverage. Of course, it was breaking news when all this Valieva stuff was happening, but as someone who's followed figure skating, I had the context and I feel like I thought differently in a way than maybe some other people did where I could definitely see more how Tuberitze could have a large influence over Valieva. And I think I gave Valieva more benefit of the doubt earlier because of the context that I had. But like I said, that is all for this week. Thank you so much for listening to the gold standard next week. I believe is the beginning of the Paralympic games. So I will be talking about that. So make sure to tune in next week. Same time.